from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, Tennessee Williams moved to St. Louis in 1918, um, and this was a time of, of terrible pandemic. Do you ever think about that symmetry of, of his move here, this production here? He came out of his apartment night. I, I almost gasped. He looked like Tennessee in his later years. And I say, you know, Paul, come join us every night. Come you be know. the ghost of <laughs> yes. Tennessee Williams. I love that but idea. But can you imagine? I'm Sarah Fenske. The Glass Menagerie has been performed all around the world, but never before has it been mounted on the grounds of the St. Louis apartment building that helped to inspire it. That changes next week. On August 19th, the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis opens its new production of The Glass Menagerie at 4633 Westminster Place. Playwright Tennessee Williams lived in an apartment on site for four years, and he incorporated details of the building into the home of the fictional Wingfield family. It truly is an Only in St. Louis production. And joining us today to explain how it came together is Carrie Houck. She's the Executive Artistic Director of the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis. Carrie, welcome back. Thank you for having us, Sarah. And we're also joined today by Brian Holfeld. He's the director of this new production of The Glass Menagerie. Brian, welcome. Thanks for uh, asking us. Good to be here. So, Carrie, the idea of staging The Glass Menagerie on the site where Tennessee Williams lived, this is an inspired idea, but it also seems incredibly complicated. What put this idea in your head? Um, I've known of the building for years. It's a site on our bus tour, walking tour. But even prior to the festival, I knew of its existence. And I thought how cool that would be. I love site-specific theater anyway. And we're so lucky that we have this building still standing. And, you know, I'd, I'd look at the parking lot and the fire escapes, and I'd imagine it. Um, Boy, even going back to when I did Stairs to the Roof before our festival. Um, in fact, I wanted to do Stairs to the Roof at the International Shoe Company, but that didn't work out. <laughs> Another site that yeah, it, this play draws upon. There's so upon. many, I know. Um, so with the um, pandemic and the restrictions that we have producing theater this summer, and there are many with a professional cast, I thought, well, if not now when. So I met with a team of designers and technicians and a support group who could help make us, you know, help this come to fruition. We've done site-specific theater before, but it was more like run and gone without, you know, uh, professional lighting, sound, etc. But this, I wanted to be a fully realized production on this site. So I got in touch with Mae Young, who owns the building. She did not know me from Adam. And um, luckily for us, she loved our idea. She loves Tennessee Williams and bought the building in order to save the building. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's called the Tennessee. Yeah, she certainly pays homage to, to yes. this famous former resident. But she currently leases out many of these units as Airbnbs. This seems like this could put a little crimp in her business plan <laughs> to have a full stage production here. I mean, Brian, are you kind of dodging Airbnb residents coming in and out? No, fortunately, we are the B&B residents. Um, the uh, cast and myself are occupying a couple of the uh, of the apartments, and they're beautiful. Um, so it is, it's kind of like, you know, uh, fortunately we, we are rehearsing at the Chase, so it's not like 
it's always work and play. It will be next week at the same place, but um, yeah, it's 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 been it's like nothing else I've ever done. So so you're ensconced now <laughs> yes. in this building, and I want to mention before we talk a little bit more about this play, Carrie. What's so interesting to me is, in addition to all the Airbnbs on site, I understand there's one permanent tenant who lives on <laughs> site. Is. is he being incorporated into this production? I want him to be, you know, and maybe it's just my lunacy at the moment, but. His name is Paul, and he's a professor, I believe, at WashU, and he lives there permanently. And um, when we were uh, scouting, I, he came out of his apartment, and I, I, I almost gasped. He looked like Tennessee in his later years. And I say, you know, Paul, come join us every night. Come you be know. the ghost of Tennessee <laughs> yes. Williams. I love that but idea. Can you imagine the actors, especially our actor Bradley Tejeda, who's playing Tom, being in this building where the 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 Williams lived, and that is just such a part of you know not just the glass menagerie, but but a lot of his work, um, you know, St. Louis influenced so much of it in in many different ways and in many different pieces. Just. Uh, not only the plays, but short stories and essays as well. So, Brian, this is his memory play, mm. and there's some actual memories of, of th- this playwright living on site. How mm-hmm. does being on that same grounds kind of shape your vision for telling this story? It um, the, the the big thing was the fire escapes. I mean, we were using the actual fire escapes as part of the set, and we know that somewhere on this fire escape, he stood and he smoked and he looked at the moon and he heard the dance hall and um, all the things that are mentioned in the play so it, uh, it it's when you stop to think about it it's a little overwhelming and a little humbling but um, we don't have time to think about it. So, <laughs> so I want to I get into a bit about this production. What is so interesting is this is the same cast almost, almost. as the cast you guys had last year when you did a radio play mm-hmm. of this same play. So now mm-hmm. the, the team is back together. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one big change. Who's, who's the change on this, Carrie? Our gentleman caller, um, Seanery uh, Kingsford, has a gig until the end of the year. And he was co- able to come in and do our radio production uh, last summer, last fall. But um, he's been replaced by Chauncey Thomas, who many of you may know, he doesn't live in St. Louis anymore. He's a New York actor, but he was here for a time and he's done a lot of St. Louis production. And the cool thing is Chauncey played the gentleman caller in the John Guare play we produced last fall called You Lied to Me About Centralia, which is a continuation of that evening. And it's adapted from a Tennessee Williams short story called Portrait of a Girl in Glass. So we already had Chauncey as Jim O'Connor, and now we're just plopping him in to the glass menagerie. So he understands this role. He's, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's ready to go, which yeah. is important because you are doing this all on a very tight production timeline. Yes. yes. Tell <laughs> us how, how this is going to all work or uh, is working. We Yeah, we have about two and a half weeks of rehearsal before opening, and... Uh, and a few of those are tech nights, which are mm-hmm. kind of not, you know, so. Um, but I, we had the advantage of the actors having already done the radio version. So they came in knowing their characters, some, you know, familiar with, enough with the script that they could learn their lines pretty quickly. Uh, the challenge is, for me, that, that production was aimed solely for the ear. Uh, and this, um, where, you know, they're physicalizing everything. So it's, in that sense, it's almost like a new project. Um, 
but on the other hand, they they're already so into the characters that it's, it, it allows us to go deeper when now that we're on our feet. I love that idea, but I also I find myself wondering, you know, you'd hire a certain sort of actor to do a voice part. You might hire a different person to embody the role. Have there been Definitely. any complications with that? No, um, because we I think when we decided on the radio cast, it was the people we would have used on mm-hmm. stage. So we kind of went backwards because we were, I mean, even then we were kind of planning we to do it in the fall when we thought things were going to be okay. So you reverse engineered the radio play. Exactly, yes. Yes, yeah. because at that time, if everyone remembers, we thought that um, the pandemic would be over a lot sooner than don't remind us. To be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes some sense. So this was your dream cast for the actual play. Now you have three fourths of them back, plus a, yes. a perfect fourth. Yeah. And they're a family. I mean, I, totally convincing, even at this early point in rehearsal. Um, they've remained friends and, and they bond, bonded, re bonded very rapidly when they all came back together. So you're doing this outdoors, and as yes. you say, a full production. This is not yeah. just on the fly. There's lights. No. Does that add some special challenges? Uh, you're in the elements. Oh, yes. Yeah, in fact, when we first discussed this, I was kind of against doing it outside just because I know how much there is out of your control. Um, you know, ambient noise in the neighborhood, and it never really gets dark. There's always ambient light. It doesn't get dark until eight fifteen. Cicadas so, and cicadas, which are you know <laughs> very so, noisy this year. Yes, so we don't have to get sound effects for those right, at least. Yeah. But uh, so yes, that adds yet another level of, of uh, challenge. But we're up to it. I think the team is really good. Um, really the good. The set is beautiful. The yeah. uh, the Dunsey Die. Uh, um, Dunsey Dye designed the set, and we have uh, all of our designers are just at the top of their game, and that's why we are able to put this together so rapidly. I mean, that parking lot takeover happened on August 1st, and man, (laughs) we've created a world back there. And now, as the Delta variant is surging, this is actually really good that you're outdoors. I mean, this is kind of the one silver lining here, as people Mm -hmm. are looking for outdoor theater productions to come to. I also find myself wondering, though, um, you know, Tennessee Williams moved to St. Louis in 1918. Um, and this was a time of, of terrible pandemic. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that symmetry of, of his move here, this it. production here? I did not think of that, but that's a, a great observation. <laughs> <laughs> Write up something and, and send it Oh, there it you us. go. Okay, here's, here's my <laughs> vision for this production. And, you know, my constant battle doing this festival is that St. Louis and say, well, he hated it here. But the thing is, this was a different St. Louis then than than it is now. And even though we are in the middle of a pandemic, I think we're we're dealing with it very uh, somewhat successfully and with our chins up and, you know, full steam ahead. So, And as uh, you say, he, he did hate St. Louis. We've talked about that a bit on the show, even uh-huh. just a couple weeks ago right. with, with Henry Schmey. Uh-huh. But Gary, you've made a point of just how important not just St. Louis, but also the Central West End was mm. to his life uh-huh. and artistic development. Tell us just a bit about that, since this is happening in the Central West End. Yes. Um, on the corner of West Minster and Taylor, which is a block away from our our venue, uh, Tennessee worked with a theater group called the Mummers, and became a part. He became their their writer, really, and uh, they were a group of sort of beatniks of the time. And uh, he wrote about them in a beautiful essay that we're actually incorporating in our tribute evening, called something wild. And you know they were offbeat, and he found his people with the Mummers, and. Um, 
the building there, again, it's another historic Tennessee Williams site. That's a beautiful theater that is now called the Link Auditorium and it's being renovated. He he would swim at the natatorium around the corner, which was called the Lorelei. And apparently we found out it was also an acting school. So we don't know if he had any roots there as well. Uh, he went to the field school on the corner. All of these sites are going to be incorporated on the walking tour. We usually have a bus tour, but the pandemic has intervened. So this year we'll just walk it. Um, and so if people want to explore these sites, it's not just where this play is going down. Right. You're, you're mm-hmm. visiting a number of his old haunts. Yes, yes. And you feel his energy, I think, within the neighborhood. And Brian, do you feel that as you're there rehearsing with the cast? We joked earlier about the ghost of yeah, Tennessee yeah, Williams, yeah. but this this was his old stomping grounds. Yes, and it's... And it's um, I've tried to bring a little bit of that into the production, just as kind of the the idea of the, the ghosts, the past, the it, because it is a memory play as well. It is about, all about ghosts, basically. Um, so I, I have I have thought about that. It is it is um, it is it's it's daunting, as I said, when you stop to think about it. But uh, but we have we have I've tried to get some of that in. So this is the Glass Menagerie that opens August 19th. It's the Tennessee Williams Festival, uh, St. Louis. You can get ticket info at TWSTL.org. Carrie, this is such a weird time, as as I mentioned, Delta variant surging, a lot Mm -hmm. of people freaking out and canceling plans. Mm -hmm. How have ticket sales been for this? Ticket sales, especially for the Glass Menagerie, are really, really healthy. Again, I want everyone to understand that it is outside. We did the Missouri Art Safe certification, and we will do our utmost to keep everyone safe. The seats are socially distanced. They'll be highly sanitized. We'll have masks at the gate. We cannot produce a uh, paper program. This year. We usually do a gorgeous catalog. It will all be online, hmm. and um, we may have people order them if they like on our website. Um most of our events are in or outside. Our other play, You Lied to Me About Centralia, will be performed on the same stage. Uh, our panels will be at the link, but again, we'll ensure it's a 500-seat house that everyone is very distanced. Um, anyone with a ticket to the Glass Menagerie gets a $5 discount on all of the very reasonable, reasonably priced other events. Uh, Gerard Craft is opening his new restaurant around the corner, Bowood by Niche. It will not be open to the public, but will be open to a Glass Menagerie ticket holder. Oh, that's an exciting little perk Yes, there. and when you buy your uh, Glass Menagerie ticket at MetroTix, they will send you a follow-up email with information on how to order those, those dinners. So that's exciting. It sounds like a yeah. lot of safety protocols here. Yes. Brian, this all this kind of comes down then to like one question. Are you anxiously checking the weather forecasts? Uh, yes. And yes. how are things yes. looking? Good. It's actually going to be a little bit cooler uh, Starting, next week. We move into the set on, on Friday. Friday. This it's cooler Friday? by then. Wow. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. I think we've had so much rain. And fr- quite frankly, I don't want Brian and everybody else uh, as the producer. I'm the one you will worry checking. about the weather forecast. Yeah. Well, we hope for your sake there's not going to be rain. Yeah, in the... We've built in two rain dates, though, in between our two long weekend runs on a Tuesday and Wednesday. And quite frankly, if tickets accelerate at the rate they are going now, I think I might add.
had those in his performances anyway. So Well, that is, if you're listening to this and yeah. you're curious to see this production, get those yeah. tickets. That's TWSTL.org. Uh, Carrie Houck, Executive Artistic Director of the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. And Director Brian Holfeld, thank you. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.